So welcome to this episode of the Dental System Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. My name is Kevin Henry, the co-founder of Ignite DA. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Whether you found us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, or through drbicuspid.com, that's drbicuspid.com, where I serve as the editor-in-chief, and hope that you will get your free membership to that site today. But uh, what is becoming a frequent guest of ours, a good friend, and a guy that I always love talking to and hearing the latest from, and that's our friend, dental pharmacology expert, Tom Viola. Tom, good morning. How are you? Kevin, good morning, my friend. It's always a pleasure to talk to you as well. I learn a lot just uh, by having these uh, podcasts with you, and I love talking to uh, members of the audience. A couple of them have reached out to me on my website, and uh, good. and with good good positive feedback. So uh, thank you to everybody. who You've been all uh, very grateful. Uh, I've been all very grateful, and uh, you've been very gracious with your, uh, your uh, comments. So thank you so much. Well, and I can tell you just by the page views on drbicuspid.com through the podcast listens that we've been having whenever you come on, I know that our audience is uh, ingesting what you're putting out there, which is great. And I know today you and I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a flashback almost. Uh, whenever you and I first started doing these, we talked about a drug that's kind of hasn't ever gone away, but it's making a comeback. And I know we've talked about benzocaine. I know we've talked about the the inhaler that can be over the counter that can be an issue. And I want to make sure that our listeners go back and hear those podcasts. Uh, anything that Tom puts out there, great information. But today, let's do a little bit of a flashback and let's talk about gabapentin. And what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And what do our listeners need to know about this? Good stuff, Kevin. So thanks. You know, let's indeed flashback a little bit to uh, our discussion way back when about gabapentin and the fact that... Uh, Gabapentin was one of those uh, drugs that, as a prescription drug, has been used for years, you know, decades for the management of uh, uh, post-hepatic neuralgia, uh, diabetic peripheral neuropathy, and basically or essentially a, a pain that's uh, due to uh, some type of nerve damage or nerve trauma, or in some cases, just unknown, uh, you know, a pain of unknown origin. Uh, so for those folks with fibromyalgia. So uh, as it turns out, it's been very effective in that regard uh, for many people. Uh, but what came up a couple of years ago was the fact that since gabapentin was often prescribed with opioids uh, to treat that type of chronic intractable pain sometimes, uh, unfortunately, along with opioids, gabapentin became a drug of abuse. Mm. It started out uh, basically uh, uh, with people taking both medications at the same time, uh, as their pain scaled up, they scaled up their dose of opioid. Uh, when they ran out of opioids and were denied, you know, uh, further prescriptions, at least temporarily until it was you know, time for a refill, um, necessity being the mother of invention, uh, a lot of folks decided to dabble in higher and higher doses of gabapentin, I think initially to try to treat their pain without the opioids, but then finding out uh, that uh, high doses of gabapentin can lead to an opioid-like effect. Um, that, that's good for some folks, uh, in, in this respect that, uh, you know, if they're in an opioid treatment program, uh, and they're using gabapentin, which is prescribed for them, if they're taking very large doses, that doesn't show up in a urine screening, uh, to disqualify them from being in the program. So in a sense, they can still get high, but stay in the program. Wow. You know, that's also for folks who work and, you know, in different industries where they're required to do mandatory testing. Gabapentin doesn't show up as a controlled substance because technically it's it's a nerve blocker. But unfortunately, in high doses, it can it can definitely affect cognition, it can affect motor skills. So it's certainly something to be concerned about. 
And and that's where I think you and I left it, that it's this drug of abuse that's not known widely as a drug of abuse, although uh, over the last couple of years since you and I and other people started talking about it, it's become more well known. Well, now the FDA has uh, issued another warning about uh, gabapentin and drugs like it, uh, that they are starting to identify cases of respiratory depression associated with gabapentin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, it's always a, a problem for us in dentistry because we use drugs that also cause respiratory depression. We use things like benzodiazepines, uh, like Valium and Xanax for conscious sedation. And and we use drugs like nitrous oxide, uh, which require good ventilation. And so with respiratory depression, it becomes challenging for us in dentistry, uh, especially if we're not aware that the patient's using that drug or using it in the doses that we talked about. And, and I will tell you, I had a dental assistant reach out to me. She loves what you talk about, just so you know. But she also said that she's a little bit frustrated because there's all these things coming at them and things that they should know. How do they stay on top of things like this that, you know, I know so many dental practices are just trying to get through the day. And yet there's all these other outside influences from medications, legal and illegal, that that dental patients may be taking. How do you advise dental practices just to stay on top of trends? I know you're a great resource, but but are there any other options that you throw out there for dental practices? Well, I have to say, at the risk of sounding uh, you know a little biased here, I, it's it's resources like you, Kevin, Doctor Bicuspid, and and these are the things you've got to do as a dental professional in your spare time to to try to stay abreast of what's going on. I always say this to my audiences when I'm out there speaking that being in a dental office is is somewhat isolationist. It's like being on your own island. And, uh, you know, kind of do the same thing day after day. But as you well put, you know, uh, outside forces uh, tend to influence what what happens in practice. And you've got to stay on top. So podcasts like this, you know, quick 10 minutes of just sort of getting aware. I understand why the assistant reached out to you with frustration, because, yeah, it is frustrating to think not only do I have to remember all about pharmacology and all the normal or quote unquote regular uses of medications, but I got to worry about people using prescription drugs as substances of abuse. You know, it just adds to it another dimension. It's like four or five fold now what you normally have to remember anyway. It, it does. And, and this is something, and, and Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm guessing not a lot of patients are going to say, yeah, I'm doing this. So what signs, what things do we look for if we're in the dental practice that might be a little bit of a red flag? I'm glad you brought it up. So, so first of all, let's be let me be clear that it's not just gabapentin; it's drugs like it. Uh, these drugs are known as the gabapentinoids, and another drug that's in that same class would be a drug called Lyrica, uh, pregabalin. Again, these these drugs are used to prevent or to really to treat uh, nerve pain. Uh, and again, I would 100% agree with you. I'm, if I'm using these drugs illicitly, you know, illicit drug used illicitly is the, one of the hardest to determine because. It's legal, but it's being used in a legal fashion. Yep. Uh, remember that these drugs um, started out as medications. Well, in the case of Neurontin, gabapentin started out as a medication for seizures. Uh, Lyrica is sometimes used for seizures, but it's mostly used for pain. And so the, the greatest concern for us is that uh, these medications lower the seizure threshold and therefore uh, things we use in practice like uh, epinephrine, for example, uh, maybe more likely to to bring on a seizure, uh, not not just uh, epinephrine, but also the local anesthetic itself. Uh, so, what do you look for? You know, you've got to worry about now using local anesthesia, you, epinephrine, nitrous oxide, benzodiazepines. You know, the staples the, of the armamentarium that we use in dentistry. What do you? How can you tell in advance 
yeah. if a patient's doing, using these medications illicitly. You really can't. That's the sad part. You can ask and you can, um, you can sort of uh, lead the questions. In my opinion, the best way to do this is to assume that there are going to be those patients out there, some patients who use the drug the way they're not supposed to. And so I think it's always a matter of being cautious. So if you know a patient's using these medications, maybe they're using high doses. Maybe it's not illicit, but it's high enough that it can cause these things. So it, it's a matter of being well in tune with your patient. So if you're going to do conscious sedation, and patients on a medication like this, they may drop deeper into sedation than you're ready for. So yeah. be ready for it. You know, be on the lookout for the signs and symptoms. If a patient has respiratory depression as a result of these Sometimes it's pretty noticeable. Sometimes you can tell a patient has labored breathing. You know, they're, they're just have difficulty breathing or they're not breathing as often. So a quick, you know, couple of seconds of, of listening to them breathing or maybe even taking their respiration rate. I know in a dental practice, it's so hard. There's so many other things you have to do and you all got to get done in a quick amount of time because you've got the next patient waiting. But this is life and death stuff that you and I talk about all the time, Kevin. This is where dentistry, you know, shines because... We have the ability to, to, to prevent some tragedies if we can just stay, in, stay out in front of it. Uh, I don't also like to sound the alarm. I don't like to be, you know, uh, always screaming the British are coming and that kind of thing, you know, uh, because not everything is an issue. So I try to bring to you and your, and, and your audience, you know, the things that matter the most. And, and there, the uptick or upswing in cases of respiratory depression of, of people who take this drug so illicitly or illicitly uh, is enough for me to bring it to your attention. And I want your audience to know that, that it's not just, you know, we're going to sound the alarm every time there's a problem of, of any slight nature, but when it becomes significant enough that we think it's, you know, going to impact their practice. Well, and, and, and I, I want to go back and touch on something and just really emphasize it. It's almost an expect the unexpected. Right. And, and we know, and, and you and I have both read stories about, uh, patients who have had medical issues in the dental chair and the team didn't know what to do. And, and it, it, and of course it gets out in the media and it gets blown up and lawsuits happen and so many other things. Yes, that's the worst case scenario, but you and I both know it has happened and it's a great lesson for the other dental practices out there to always be ready for what might happen. One of my courses that's pretty popular out there that I, I speak on a lot is called Phantom of the Operatory. It's kind of a catchy name, but it really boils down to um, that inner voice that you have in your head that you have to groom over the course of time. So I'll give you a good case scenario here. You've got a patient who's uh, got chronic pain. Uh, They're using gabapentin. They're older, and they've had sensitivity to local anesthesias in the past where they, they needed a little more recovery time. That's the kind of inner voice you have to develop in your head. Okay, they're on gabapentin. I recognize from that podcast that, uh, yeah, that there could be a sign of respiratory depression. The patient's older. Okay, well, that means already they're predisposed to re- respiratory depression. What other medications are they taking that I need to bolster that argument either way? And what, what drugs are we going to use in therapy today? So it's a team approach. And that's why even though it's an isolationism and it's a kind of an islandism when you're in your own office, it's every member of the team contributes a little. So if a hygienist or an assistant or a dentist is listening to this podcast, he or she's going to bring that back with them to the office and share the wealth. And that's, that's how it all works. You can't do it on your own. It's got to be a team effort. 
Yeah. And, you know, Tom, you bring up a great point because uh, one thing that we used to encourage people to do with this podcast, and, and I haven't lately, I must admit, is use this as some kind of a lunch and learn. You know, use this as a, a basis for your uh, discussion in the practice. So, you know, new year, new decade, new things to talk about. We're trying to bring you the latest information. And maybe this is something to bring in there. And, and you have your own lunch and learn where you, you sit down and as a team, discover the things like this that could be happening and, and obviously catch up with Tom on his website, uh, tomviola.com, I believe it is. Yes, and, you know, and, and things like this, absolutely. It takes extra effort, but in the end, it's so worth it. So, Tom, anything else to add before we, before we wrap up today's? Because I want to make sure that we're, we're cognizant of everybody's time out there. No, I just want to say thank you, Kevin. You've always been a great source of information for me and a, and a great friend. And I wanted to say thank you to your audience for you know, listening to these podcasts and, and gaining the information they need. I know it's tough because sometimes you feel you put all this effort in and it's it gonna it's un, it's there's no gratitude for it, you know, but but dentistry is not a thankless job. And the day you prevent a tragedy, you may not even know you did, but you have to go home at night and think I did the best job I can. That's great advice. And, and, you know, it really is something to expect the unexpected, be ready, always be improving, you know, the things that we try to hammer home, uh, you know, I hope that you're, you're listening to, as well as, you know, the, uh, and Tom said it a moment ago, together we rise, you know, and that's not just talking about assistance, and hoping that this profession rises up together, but also assistants, dentists, hygienists, you all working together, to rise up at the level of uh, practice that you all do every day, to rise up the level of business that you have. So, Tom, I know uh, you and I will be back together again real soon for another podcast. But as always, thank you for bringing some great information to the audience. It's much appreciated. Kevin, thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. And thanks to all of you for listening. We truly appreciate your time. We value it. We know that you have options for learning out there, but that's why we try to bring you some of the best in the dental industry with the latest information here on the Dental Assistant Nation podcast powered by Ignite DA. Make sure that you're subscribed to us as well as make sure that you join our community at drbycuspid.com. Promise you lots of great things for dental assistants and the entire team coming up in the next few weeks. So for now, Kevin Henry, the co-founder of Ignite DA, learn, grow, be better every day.